Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Wow. Well, what a privilege. It's uh, to be with you. It's a true honor to be with you. And uh, I have such tremendous love and respect for Pastor Brian and his wife, Heather. And uh, I've seen them in good times. I've seen them walk through some difficult times. And I can say with conviction that uh, they are wonderful shepherds who love the flock, who, who have wisdom and knowledge beyond their years. I love your city. I mean, Cincinnati is a cool place, and Brian always takes me to a neat place to eat. And if I had the privilege to live in this city, I would be so proud to be under the care of this couple, their team. And so I encourage you to regularly pray for them. The wisdom I feel impressed to share today is that wisdom is better than strength, and quiet wisdom is better than the shouts of fools. Ecclesiastes 9 says, I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. There was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. Now, there lived in that city a man poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom, but no one remembered that poor man. So I said, wisdom is better than strength, but the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are no longer needed. The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Solomon learned through life that wisdom is greater than strength, and quiet wisdom is better than the shouts of fools. Solomon contrasts a loud and powerful ruler to a quiet but wise man. And the latter defeats the former. But even after it happened, many forgot this poor man. But Solomon didn't, and he taught us a lesson. Quiet wisdom is better than loud shouts. Now, the words of those with low position are often not respected. On the other hand, the powerful are heated, though sometimes they are loud, and their followers are foolish. I've received much good wisdom from many over the years, but the truth I feel to highlight today is not necessarily from one experience, but is from many experiences, many observations, and many mistakes that I've made. I feel this truth is especially highlighted in the testimony of a humble man who served in a French a religious community in the 1600s. I once made a pilgrimage of sorts to visit the place where this man lived and died. He went by the name Brother Lawrence. Not much is known about him. He had a physical disability from injuries he sustained in war. And in his words, he was a very clumsy person. But he gave his life to the Lord eventually. He became a monastery cook, and he never was in any visible uh, leadership role. But he became known as one who walked with God moment by moment. 
And toward the end of his life, he was asked to correspond with someone who wanted to know the secret of this humble man in his existence, in his very personal minute-by-minute communion with God. Brother Lawrence reluctantly agreed to share his wisdom secrets on one condition that this person would never share this correspondence with anybody. It was very personal between him and God, and he didn't want to bring any attention to himself. This man agreed, but when Brother Lawrence died, the content of the letters began to slip out, and as a result, these short letters were published in what has become a Christian classic called Practicing the Presence of God. Practicing the Presence of God. You can even get it online free. Brother Lawrence didn't live to be published, but God chose to publish his humble wisdom for generations to come. Now, I speak as one who's been on both sides of the fence. I've been on top, I've been on bottom, I've been loud, I have been quiet. I have fought to be in the front. I have been humble to sit in the back. I have sought the best seat at the table and been moved to the last seat of the table. But despite it all, I have a very high confidence in the fatherly love of God that he has worked everything for my good. And I feel to tell you his love for you is great. And no matter what challenges, whether you're in the top or the bottom, whatever experiences, God is helping you. He's, he's teaching you. He's helping you to learn. He's helping you to grow. This is what I hope to attain in my remaining days, to walk with God moment by moment, to speak as he gives me opportunity, to use the spiritual gifts I have to build others up. And even if my words are never remembered, my prayer is that Jesus will be remembered. And this comes by quiet wisdom, not loud shouts. Do you have to be heard? Or are you content not having the final word? Do you feel compelled to take over conversations and make it about you? I've done that. Or are you eager to reflect God by taking an interest in others? Do you seek to dominate others? Or are you comfortable being quiet, letting others express themselves, listening and learning, and slowly speaking when he allows, even if your words are never remembered? May God grant us the grace to realize that wisdom is greater than strength, And quiet wisdom is better than the shouts of fools. (laughs) Well, good morning, you guys. My name is Kaylin, or some of you may know me as KP, and I'm super pumped to get to be here today. But before I go any further, I just wanna take a second and say that I'm so thankful for our leadership of our church that makes it a priority to invest in all generations. That is something that, for me, let me know this was a safe place for me to get planted because of how much of a priority they place on investing in all generations and helping each person walk out their gifts and what God's called them to do. And it's especially important to me because I have the opportunity to lead our Queen City Kids team. And I love kids ministry for a lot of reasons. Now don't worry, I'm not gonna make y'all learn any motions to the worship. 
Unfortunately, you're not gonna get goldfish on the way out the door. But one of the things I love the most about kids' ministry is just a reminder every single weekend that we never outgrow the basics of Christianity. Nothing's ever too simple. Honestly, the gospel is not too simple. And so today, I'm gonna give you a heads up. We're gonna be in John 15, verses one through eight. We're gonna talk a little bit about that in just a second. But the best piece of wisdom that I've ever received is simple. And it's that no matter what, stay connected. Now, in John 15, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, and this is Jesus speaking. And he's gonna reference to himself as the grapevine. He'll reference to God the Father as the gardener and we're the branch. So it says this, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do produce fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be given to you. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I didn't grow up around a lot of grapevines. But I am from the country, so I did grow up around a lot of gardens and a lot of flower beds. Shout out to my mom all that's watching. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know, but I really struggle with control issues. I always wanna fix things. I wanna make them perfect. Honestly, even me getting a little bit stumbled in my words, y'all, I'm probably turning into a little redneck, okay? But <laughs> even as a kid, I really struggled with wanting to make things perfect, with wanting to control things. And so when I read this passage and I was thinking about how it can like teach us how to stay connected, I thought about this really funny time that my mama, she had these beautiful rose bushes, y'all. They were so gorgeous. And she had pruned them. And if you've ever seen anything pruned, it's ugly. It is not cute, it is not perfect. It's kind of scrawny and just, ugh. So I saw it one day and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna help my mama out. And now I know, I told y'all I was not gonna do a full-blown kids ministry thing, and I'm not. But I thought it would be helpful to have a little bit of an object lesson. And so I actually am gonna have something brought out. <laughs> so my mama, she had some clippers. Now don't worry, I'm not gonna clip. But she had some clippers kind of like this. So I got up and I said, you know what? I'm gonna help mama. I'm gonna make these really just perfect and pretty. And so I took these clippers and y'all, I went to work. But the thing was, I wasn't good at it because they were too heavy for me. So I kept having to cut down and I cut down until they got to nubs. And that was rough because I actually killed them off. And so I'm sure you're like, Kaylin, why are you telling me about you doing this to your mama's bushes? I get it, but the thing is, when I was reading that passage, I thought about this, and I was like, man, how often are we tempted to take control of our lives, or take control of our lives? We really can't, and we try to operate as something other than the branch. We try to operate as maybe the gardener or the vine, and we say, you know what, God? I know what's better for my life than you do, and I'm gonna take these clippers, and I'm gonna go to work, and I'm gonna prune what I wanna prune, and I'm gonna omit from pruning what I don't wanna prune. You know, how often do we do that? And what does it say in that passage? It talks to us about how when we're disconnected from our source, when we don't operate as the branch in full surrender, we can actually do absolutely nothing. 
How silly would it be for a branch that is cut off apart from a vine to say, I'm gonna like grow the best roots or I'm gonna produce this beautiful orange and it's an apple tree. That would be pretty ridiculous. But how ridiculous does it look when we try to take control of our own lives and we try to do something that we're not meant to do? So today, in order to talk about staying connected, I mean, I think first, before we can stay connected, we have to fully surrender. So I wanna say, what would it look like if we took the clippers of our life that we're so tempted to pick up and we actually put them down before God? And we said, you know what, God? You can do more with that than I can do because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not a gardener and I'm not even the vine. I'm the branch. A branch doesn't have to think about what kind of fruit it's gonna produce. It just stays fully surrendered and ready to produce whatever fruit the vine tells it and whatever fruit the gardener actually prunes for it to do. (laughs) Thank you. And so, you know, maybe your first step today, maybe you're like, KP, I don't even have a relationship with God. Well, maybe the first thing you need to do is get connected to God before you can even stay connected. And you're gonna have an opportunity at the end of service to make that decision if that's you today. But maybe you've already decided to get connected. So maybe you're like, KP, this is not applicable to me. But it is, trust me, it is. (laughs) So maybe you need help in the staying connected portion. I know I do. And something that I really just wanted to highlight was our mission at Queen City. Y'all, it's so simple and it's so beautiful. But it's seriously, like the best thing that we can do to stay connected. So our mission is that we exist to reach all people and to teach them to have a relationship with God that gets better and better. Now guys, first you gotta get connected before you can stay connected. But in order to grow and to flourish and to produce the fruit that God's placed inside of each of you that is so important and the world needs, you have to stay connected. And in order to stay connected, you've gotta be planted somewhere where you can flourish. So I wanna just go ahead and actually ask you guys today to think and consider if you haven't already made that decision to get connected to God, to get connected to Him. If you've already made that decision, I wanna ask you to consider staying connected to Him. And maybe a really practical way that you can do this is being a part and getting planted in a local church. Y'all, Queen City is such a safe place. It's a place where you can grow, where you can flourish. God's word, it talks all about how the righteous, they flourish like trees when they're planted in the house of the Lord and they will produce fruit even in their old age. And I don't know about y'all, but even when I'm a mama, I wanna be producing some good fruit regardless if my thumb is actually green or not. And so today, whatever it is step that you need to take, I wanna encourage you, take that step. Get planted, this is a safe place. When I first walked in Queen City, I'll be real with y'all. It was not cute. I was looking like a pruned up little bush or whatever you wanna call me. (laughs) But honestly, looking around and seeing all the trees, all the beautiful bushes and things that were growing, I was like, man, this is where I need to get planted because I've already decided to get connected to God, but I need to get planted somewhere that can encourage that growth within me and can produce the fruit that God's asked me to produce. And so today, if that's you, I just wanna encourage you, whatever it is, maybe you're getting planted looks like taking a step and going to growth track. Maybe it looks like joining a, a group in the fall. Maybe it just looks like reading your Bible more consistently or being real with somebody out in the lobby. You know, it can be really simple. But I wanna encourage you, the best piece of wisdom that I've ever received, even though it's simple, is to stay connected to God. Oh, man. 
What is good, everybody? Queen City Church, man, I love y'all so much. Seriously, I can't say that enough. If we've never met before, uh, my name is Michael, uh, and I actually have the honor of getting to lead our portable ministry here at Queen City Church. So quick shout out to my setup and my takedown teams. Love you guys very much. Seriously, I know you guys are behind the scenes most of the times, but seriously, guys, if it wasn't for setup and takedown, we would not be having church right now. We would not be able to pack this up and have a venue like this and to meet in person. So huge shout out to you guys. Um, and if you haven't caught on to the theme yet, I've only got seven minutes. I see a clock that's counting down. So I'm gonna get right on into it. In those minutes, I would love to share with you guys the greatest piece of wisdom that I've ever received. Um, if you guys wanna go ahead and turn to 1 Peter 4.10, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, we'll get to that in just a moment. Man, and I love this verse so much um, and this just whole question that we're answering because wisdom has always been really important to me. Ever since I was a little kid, for some reason, and just wisdom stood out to me. I wanted to get some wisdom. I wanted to make some good decisions and be successful in life. And when I've really been thinking about answering this question, I'm thinking, okay, well, I've received a lot of wisdom, but what's like a really critical piece of wisdom? What's a piece of wisdom that's actually like changed my life, given me some confidence, like changed the direction of my life and really deeply impacted me? And it's this, greatest wisdom I've ever received is that your best fruit will grow on other people's trees. Okay, well, what do you mean by that? Maybe another way to say it is the fact that the greatest legacy that you can leave here on earth, here in this life, is by investing in and serving other people. You can make a difference, and the greatest legacy you can leave is investing in and serving other people. See, and that can get confusing because we live in a world nowadays where it's preaching this message of self-preservation. Just take care of yourself, just work hard, stack up some more cash for you so that you can be successful and happy and just get more and then you're good. It's, it's about you. But guys, I promise, here's the deal. I'm, I'm not knocking work hard. We need to work hard. God's, God's word calls us to work hard and to be intentional, but we need to make sure that we're actually working hard in the right direction and we're doing it for the right reasons. And when we look to God's word, like in 1 Peter 4.10, we can get his truth as to what we need to be working for. See, it says in 1 Peter 4.10, it says that God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. I love that that verse has two really clear, distinct parts. First part, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Y'all, I did some research leading up to this, and I looked into the word each. You'll never believe it. It means each. It means all y'all where I come from. It means each of you. Guys, I cannot make this clear enough. You have a spiritual gift. You have a spiritual gift. God has given each of you. That does not exclude anybody. Each of you has a spiritual gift. It's been given to you by God. That's not just for people with microphones. That's not just for the CEOs. That's not just for people that look a certain way or come from a certain background. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. And then the second part, it's given you really clear direction. Hey, now that you know you have a gift, use them well. Use those gifts well to serve one another. You didn't just stumble into a gift. You don't just randomly have something. You were divinely created intentionally by God. He's given you a gift from his great variety of gifts. And we need to use them well to serve one another. Okay, so now we know, all right, well, well, if we all have a gift, we all have spiritual gifts, and God wants us to use them well to serve one another, we're like, what is a spiritual gift? How do I even find out what that is? Like, like give me something practical. Well, those are some of the very same questions that I was asking myself 
gosh, about 10 years ago at this point, um, I found myself, I started going to a new local church and my best friend invited me and he said, hey, you should come with me to Growth Track. He's like, I'm gonna start serving and I'd love for you to join me and we can learn more about church and learn kind of some next steps. So I go to Growth Track with him and he says, oh, by the way, in this part of the Growth Track, we're going to take a spiritual gifts assessment. I'd never heard of that before, but I'm like, cool, we'll do it. I'm not a great test taker, but like, I'll give it my best and, and we'll just kind of see, we'll see where it goes from there. And it was really cool. Uh, it, it was a really great experience. And so we take the spiritual gifts assessment and we get to the very end. And y'all, I will never forget my best friend walking up to me afterwards and saying, you know, hey man, that was great. What'd you think? Hey, what, what did you get on the spiritual gifts assessment? Like, like what was your number one answer? And I kind of looked at him and I was like, man, like, I, I don't know if I like did it wrong. I don't know if I like got a, like, I think I kind of got like a bad answer. Like, I don't, I don't really know. I'm kind of unsure. He's saying like, what, what do you mean, man? No, like, 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 let's see it. Let's talk about it. And I'm like, no, dude, like, I think this is like bad. Like I could, I think I could like get in trouble for this. He's so confused. And he's like, bro, what are you talking about? So we flip the book over and look at it. And I'm like, bro, it says I have the spiritual gift of extortion. I'm like, I'm like, bro, that's bad. Like people go to jail for that. I've seen movies. Like I was so confused. I was like, God, that's, that's bad. I don't want extortion. After he got done laughing, just like we have here, he says, no, dude, that's the gift of exhortation. Blew my mind. I had real talk. I had never seen that word before. My little, my little deep South homeschool brain could not comprehend that. I didn't know what it was. And I'm so thankful that I had my best friend there to explain. He said, no, 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 Michael, don't, don't get confused with it. That means that God has given you the spiritual gift of encouraging people. And that blew my mind. I had never heard of that before. I'd never heard of something that could practically tell me about spiritual gifts. And it's like something in that moment clicked. I didn't have all the answers. I wasn't perfect, far from it. But it's like I had this kind of like new confidence. Something just clicked and I had this new clarity in my life. Of, whoa, 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 wait a second. I know God loves me and I'm getting connected to church and learning more about him. But he's gifted me. He loves me enough to gift me and to actually help me encourage people to put courage into other people. To, to, to use those gifts well to serve other people, it blew my mind. And it gave me some confidence and clarity. So then when I went to work, I was like, well, I'm gonna encourage some people. Oh, hey, I need to make a decision. Hey, well, I mean, God's gifted me in this way. So maybe I can approach the situation like this. Maybe I can be encouraging. Maybe I can make a difference. And church, it's made a huge difference in my life because when I realized that my life was not all about me and serving my own agenda, I've been more fulfilled than ever before. I've been more encouraged than ever before. I've experienced more life and joy than ever before. It's changed my life and it can change yours too because you're gifted and you're loved and God is empowering each of you with a gift. There's practical ways to find out what that is. We literally have growth track happening today. In a few hours, you have a practical opportunity to get connected to church, to this local life-giving church and to learn about your spiritual gifts just like I did a decade ago. You could maybe have that light bulb moment in just a few hours. And maybe you already have had that moment. Maybe you do know, hey, yeah, there was a time where I made a difference. There was a time where I kind of went through growth track and did something, but maybe over the past year, we've all been through a lot for real, but maybe you've kind of gotten on the sideline. Maybe you've taken a break. Can I just take a minute to use my spiritual gift to encourage you that you can make a difference? In Jesus' name, you can get off the sidelines, get back into the game, and experience fulfillment like never before. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of gifts. You can use them well, church. I promise you, you have a gift. You can and you should use them. Use them well to serve other people. I promise you that when you do that, you'll see it for yourself that your best fruit will grow on other people's trees. Yeah.
Good morning, everyone. My name is Tiffany Dace, if I have not met you, and I have the honor of serving on our leadership team here. And uh, for a moment, I just want to thank both of you, Pastors Heather and Brian. The encouragement, the investment that you put in everyone in this room is just incredible. So thank you both. So before we get started, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 10. And before I actually go into my best wisdom statement, I want to ask you all a question. By a show of hands, how many of you have ever felt forgotten or specifically forgotten by God? And remember that you're in church, so be honest. (laughs) I've been there many, many times. There's been times that I've been angry with God. There's been times where I've been upset that he's not giving me what I want. There's been times that I've been impatient with God and just questioned if he was ever going to come through. And maybe it's the same for you as well. It could be a different scenario where it's You could see someone else getting a promotion and you've been wanting that. You could see someone else in a relationship and you've been praying for that. You could be praying for a baby and it's just not coming through just yet. It could be that you're praying for healing for yourself or a family member or a friend. It's easy really to feel forgotten and it's almost as if their prayer somehow got in the fast lane on the highway and you're in the slow lane and you have semis all around you and you can't get out. So although I feel this way often, the best wisdom statement that I've ever received is, God will never forget you. Amen, amen. (laughs) So every Saturday, our church has Saturday morning prayer, and there was one particular week that Lauren, Miss Lauren here, meets her if you haven't. Uh, She was leading, and she gave the suggestion to write down a scripture on a note card, and uh, carry it with you for times that you needed to reference it or remember it. And for me, that scripture was Hebrews 10, 23. It says, I do know this, but I'm gonna read it anyway. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. And God has placed the same way that it was talked about that you know we each have a gift. God has also placed desires on all of our hearts uniquely for us, but it's, it's what he wants for us, not really what we want for us. The question is, do you trust him? And not only do you trust him, but you, do you trust in his timing as well for those? So I'll give you two examples of my waiting periods. The first one was in my professional life. So I was in a position for years, um, was praying for something new. I felt like it was time and nothing came except COVID. And when, I mean, when COVID came, that put a halt on everything from externally, internally, no one was going anywhere. And it was an attempt to save as many jobs as possible, but I was selfish and I wanted to move on. I was ready for something new. So I had periods where I was, you know, frustrated with God, but he started opening so many different doors for me to connect with people and meet with people and use my time, my waiting period to grow. And so fast forward, I'm now in in a position that I, I really, it wasn't even in my radar, but what I know looking back is he was preparing me for everything that he had next. He used that time to groom me and grow me. 
And so the second example, God has not answered just yet, it's, it, but it's coming. We, we know that. So years ago, I was engaged um, to someone. He's a great person. Um, and we were about six months away from the wedding. I had the dress, the venue, invitations, the florist, everything. And God became louder and louder that this was not the right scenario for either of us. And so, um, sorry to my parents, the wedding was called off. Um, and as much as I knew that it was the best thing in that situation, as time moved on, I started to question God of, hello, I did what you asked, so what's next? Where, where's he at? You know, I, there's something missing. So, <laughs> and again, although these feelings come, I know that God knows what's best. And honestly, I, I get that question. I'm sure some of you do too. When are you getting married? And I'm like, I don't know because I don't. But, but God does. And, and that's what I'm trying to lean into. He knows. He knows the timing. And I know that anything that I would have put together as far as who I should date, his mentality is so much better. So we wait. So, so what do you do in situations where you feel forgotten? Maybe your situation is similar, maybe it's different, but we all have some sort of waiting period. My biggest suggestion to you during those times is to think on the past. Now, I know that we have the mentalities of forget the past, leave it where it's at. And that is 100% true in most scenarios. So if you think about you know, your past mistakes or things that you've overcome but you can't seem to let go, leave those there, let God handle those. But when we are feeling forgotten, it's easy for us to forget how good God has been in the past. And I will tell you something, the enemy is so, so loud, and he will remind you or try to remind you that God didn't come through, that you're still waiting. Why are you waiting? Maybe you're not worthy. You know, all of, all of the lies. And that really leads to us making decisions that we never should have made. When I think about that, I think about our control leading to impatience, which leads to settling, because anything that's not from God is settling, by the way. Or, yeah, <laughs> rather than surrendering, leading to peace and contentment while waiting. So think about those times when, when he's come through. When I think about that, I think about when he healed my family. I think about when he, he brought the promotion through. I think about when I prayed for relationships, ladies, <laughs> and it, <laughs> And it has just been beyond what I could have ever prayed for. I remember when he has broken chains, so many different chains on different family members and friends in my life. So why not wait for him to deliver again? So I, I encourage you to write those things down, the same as with the note card example. Write down those times when he came through. And when you have those feelings where he's, you think he's not going to show up, reference it. So the promises that are on your heart, the things that you've been praying for, don't give up on them. Don't give up on yourself, but most importantly, don't give up on God. Thank you.
Well, good morning, church. My name is Sydney. Um, If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter nine. We're gonna be there in just a few minutes. Um, But I'm so excited today to share with you the greatest piece of wisdom I've ever received. Uh, It's something that has impacted my life tremendously. And so um, I'm excited to share that with you. And it's all around this thought, um, the idea of start where you are. Start where you are. Um, So let me paint a picture of what my life looked like when I first received um, this wisdom. I was in my second year of college at one of the largest party schools in the country because at 18 years old, I knew my priorities and they were to have a good time all the time. They were. But I I found myself the semester prior in this really low place. Um, I had gone through a breakup and and I had really gotten sick of this cycle that I was living in of feel bad, drink, take, smoke this, blackout, wake up, feel bad, do it all over again. Um, I I was in a place where I I felt like I was drowning. Um, And so I finally took someone up on the invitation to go to church. And you guys, if I had more time, I would just sit here and talk all about how important it is um, to not just invite the people in your life to church, but to keep inviting them. Um, You literally never know. You never know what um, their life is going to look like in that moment. And and someone could be appear one day because you invited them to church. And so I took someone up on the invitation to church. I went and I encountered Jesus and just about as much of a 180 degree turnaround in life as you can imagine. I, I had that. So I wasn't doing those things anymore. And I'm trying to figure out what it means and what it looks like to follow Jesus. Um, and so I'm sitting down for coffee with this girl and I'm really in a place at this point. I've made the decision to follow Jesus, but I find myself friendless um, because my lifestyle changed. My friends had to change. And um, I found myself um, without any of my coping mechanisms for when I felt bad. So now when I felt bad, I just felt bad. (laughs) Like I didn't have anything to go to. Um, and, And I found myself so incredibly confused at how I could still be this depressed after they said I was making the best decision that I would ever make in my life. And so I'm sitting for coffee because I I didn't know this girl, but I I knew she went to church and I would have taken advice from anyone at that point. Um, And so as I'm talking with her, she starts to tell me about the church that she went to and how they had an internship for college students. She told me that she thought that it would be so great for me me and um, I would get to learn all about the Bible and about church and I, I would get to meet people my age who were passionately following Jesus, to which my inner dialogue was like, a church internship, you're telling me a church internship, me doing that, no way, like no way. And there are no levels to salvation, but if barely saved was a thing, I was barely saved. Like a church internship was the last thing I saw myself doing. Um, I thought maybe I would get a book recommendation, maybe a podcast, like something like that, very um, low pressure. But I told her like, hey, thank you so much. That all seems just a little bit too fast for me. And and that's when she replied with that wisdom that I shared earlier that has since then shaped so much of my life. She looked at me and she said, it's okay. You can just start where you are. 
Um, and so she went on and told me that the internship, the deadline for the internship had actually already passed. And so I was like, well, why'd you tell me all of this? Um, but, but I guess my ah, too bad was a little too convincing because the next day, the pastor texted me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The pastor texted me. He said that my friend had talked to him and asked him to make an exception so I could be a part of the internship. You cannot say no to that. Like, there's no saying no. That's awful. I said yes. So, so over the next few months as I did this internship, I found myself feeling unworthy and out of place and, and a lot like a fraud, um, I would think to myself, like, I don't know the Bible like they do. Like they say, turn to Matthew chapter nine and it's like one flip and everyone's there and I'm still in the table of contents. And, and when they didn't have the, the lyrics for the worship song that they were playing, everybody knew the words and was singing but me. I just had to like hum along or mouth something. Yeah, and I, I thought more than anything, these people are so nice to me. Like they are so nice to me, but if they knew me and if they knew my story, it would be different. They wouldn't be this nice to me. I wouldn't be as accepted here. But I held close to the only thing that I had and it was that that girl who was kind to my friend at this point, she told me that it was okay that I was starting where I was. And the truth is, you guys, it's, it's not just good advice to start where you are, but it's also God's advice. And in Matthew chapter nine, verse nine, we see the story of Jesus calling Matthew, one of his 12 closest people in ministry. And it says this, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guest, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees, the church people, saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Now, here's the thing. Matthew was a tax collector, and at that time, tax collectors equaled sinner, like of the worst kind. These people were known for lying and stealing from the poor to make themselves rich. Honestly, they were way more like mafia than they were accountants, so like think those people. And the very act of spending time with these people made the church people question Jesus. There was no one in favor, no one was a fan of how they were living their life, yet Jesus called Matthew. And I can imagine that Matthew had moments like I did after he left his life um, of a tax collector and, and started walking through life with Jesus. Moments where he questioned how in the world did he get to be in Jesus's inner circle. And moments where he felt the tension between his past and where Jesus was calling him to go. Moments where um, he felt like who he was and what he had done before that day that he encountered Jesus were the things that defined him. And, he, and, and more than anything, probably, he knew what was right now, but he still did what was wrong because he was a work in progress. And what I love so much about this story is that by calling Matthew, Jesus is saying that no one no matter where they are in their story, is excluded from the life that he has for them. 
In fact, in John 10, 10, it says this, Jesus says, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. And Matthew's story is proof that no one is excluded from the more and better life. See, Jesus didn't wait until Matthew pulled himself together, cleaned himself up to call him. He called him in the middle of his mess. And Jesus knew that the answer wasn't for Matthew to do it all on his own, but to just get Matthew to start because he could take care of the rest. And what I know today, church, is that the same thing applies to me and you. And so I... I, I don't know what it is that you may need to start today, but maybe there's something. Maybe you need to start consistently reading your Bible or praying. Maybe you need to start attending a group and finding godly community. Maybe you need to start the growth track and start serving on the dream team. Maybe you need to start giving or tithing and being generous with what God has given you. I don't know what it is today that you may need to start, but what I do know is that you can start where you are and that our church is a safe place for you to do that. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. You've heard five incredible pieces of wisdom today, and I believe that God is speaking something to you. Um, so I want us all to take a moment and ask God, God, what is it that you're saying to me today? Maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or maybe you did at one point, but today you would say that you are far from God. What I believe is that the invitation that Jesus gave Matthew to come and follow me is the invitation that he is making to you today. And just like Matthew, you don't have to pull yourself together and clean yourself up to make that decision. You can start where you are. And if that's you today, with every head bowed and eye closed, in a moment of faith and courage, would you raise your hand on the count of three? Amazing. One, two, three. So cool. You can put your hands down and say this prayer in your heart. You can say, God, I need you. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. Today, I put you first in my life. Would you change me and make me brand new? I give you my life. I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, church, can we give it up for the people who just made the best decision of their life? Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People. 